1954, right. I graduated, and I was called to a church in Oklahoma. They came to get me in a cattle trailer. <laughs> yeah, they washed it out. Okay. <laughs> Welcome to the Tiger Alumni Podcast from East Texas Baptist University. My name is Carrie Johnson, class of 1994, and as the Director of Alumni Relations at ETBU, I'll be your host. Every day I have the opportunity to meet and visit with phenomenal alumni of various ages and stages in life. I always feel a little guilty that others don't get to hear what we talk about. So we've decided to capture some of those conversations with the hopes of sharing them with you. I'm so glad you're here. Today I get to speak with Morris Brock, a 1954 graduate from Marshall, Texas. Thank you for coming today. Glad to be here. <laughs> Glad to be anywhere at my age. <laughs> so what happened with your battery on your car? It died. And what'd you do? You just charged it for a minute? No, I went and got a new battery. You've already gotten a new battery and you're still here basically on time. Yep. That's amazing. You're pretty impressive. So what year was that when you came as a freshman? 1949. Do you remember your first Bible class? No. <laughs> I remember my professors, yeah, Dr. Smith and Dr. Roark. Oh, yeah. They were, along with Dr. Stone, my Greek professor. Did you do well in Greek? No. <laughs> I was probably the poorest student. Yeah. But he left an impression on my life by his character. Okay. Just the way he taught class, or were you? Uh, did you have access to his friendship outside of class? Both. Yeah, talk to me about that. Well, he was he was active in a, in a, a local church, which was important for me. And the way he conducted himself in class, and the way he approached teaching, mm. impressed me. Yeah. So you learned Greek? Well, I learned a little Greek. <laughs> and um, Enough to, to entice me to learn more. Yeah. Which one of my favorite sets of books was the English reader for the Greek New Testament. Okay. And so I enjoyed. I got enough Greek to, to want, make me want to learn more. There you go. And understand what it was trying to convey. Yeah. Did you meet um, Miss Evelyn here on campus? Met her at church. Okay. In Texas Avenue Baptist Church in Longview. Okay. And we met when we were in our teens and started dating when I was, I think, 13 or 14. And she was... <gasps> Morris Brock. And then she... Moved away, but continued to write. Okay. Then moved back to live with her stepmother. I was a college student when we got married. Got married when I was a sophomore. All right. How did you know she was the one? Because of her relationship with the Lord. And so we attended church together and youth activities together and and then, as a student here, uh, I, I remember well, back then, it was a major thing to, to talk about establishing a family altar. Oh, okay. And so, 
one of the students was holding a revival at New Bethlehem, and when the altar call was those that were going to establish or have established a family altar. And so Evelyn and I went forward, oh. and we carried through with that. Yeah, tell me about a family altar. Well, basically it's a book devotion time that you set aside every day that you're going to read the Word and pray. Together as a family? Together as a family. Okay. And so that was an emphasis in most all revivals in that in period that time. of time. Yeah. And so what does that look like? I mean, is it an actual altar in your home or no. a coffee table? <laughs> what is it? No, it, it's it's just the activity okay. of reading Scripture and praying. Did you do it at the same time, or did you do it every day or just a few times every, a week? Every day. Every day? Every day. Wow. Without fail? Without fail. <laughs> How many years? How many, how many years were we... we, we were we married? Yeah. 63 and a half. Wow. That's yeah. a lot of altar time. Yes. <laughs> At one time we had a, a little dish, you might say, that had cards in it for each day. Yeah. And had a passage of scripture. And it was interesting how... Those scripture passages for that day met the need of that day. Yes. Was it called daily bread? My grandmother had a little plastic, it looked like a bread loaf, but it had cards, yes. like the size of index mm -hmm. um, business cards. Mm -hmm. And they were in there and it was on her uh, Lazy Susan on her table. And when I visited her, I would pull one up and they were dated and it had a scripture. I don't remember if it had a prayer, but it, it did have a scripture, a little scripture on a, like a business mm -hmm. card size. Yes. I remember now when you said it looked like a loaf of bread. It did, didn't it? Yeah. I think that might've been daily bread. And I think they do a little magazine now. It's like a yes. tiny little magazine, but. Dion, which I, that's his logo. Okay. Daily Bread, and he puts out a little devotional book that's free for the asking. Yeah. Do you read that these days? I don't. At this time, I don't. I have. I use open windows. And Tell me what happened when you graduated. You got your degree in uh, religion? Yes. Uh-huh. And tell me what happened. In 1954, right. I graduated, and I was called to a church in Oklahoma, they came to get me in a cattle trailer. <laughs> yeah. They washed it out. Okay. <laughs> uh, they wanted you to put all your worldly possessions in that trailer, and they were going to take and you then, to Oklahoma. It, but that didn't fill it up. Oh, gosh. We didn't have much. <laughs> okay. All right. So you went to Oklahoma. Where did you go? In Oklahoma, I went to Bushnell Baptist Church in Durant, Oklahoma. Okay. And it was bivocational. Worked for McFadden's grocery store. All right. So you did that during the week. 
and then uh, and then pastored this church. Yes. Um, do you what what's uh what's your what do you remember as the biggest challenge that first year of pastoring? Sermon preparation, probably. It's a lot to do it every week. Yes. Yeah. And back in those days, pastors had to prepare a sermon for Sunday morning and Sunday night and Wednesday night. Oh, yeah. That's a lot. Nowadays, it's just Sunday morning. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what did sermon prep look like? Was your mind working on it as you worked at the grocery store? Uh, sometimes. But trying to pick a scripture that fit the need of the moment. Yeah. Kind of like that daily bread. You yes. were their weekly meal. Um, and so uh, how long did you stay there in Durant? In Durant? Uh I was at Bushnell only about a year, and I was I held a funeral with one of the pastors of the larger churches in Durant, mm -hmm. and their mission, associational missionary uh, had been pastor of, of a church and was moving to that new position, mm -hmm. and this pastor that I held a funeral with, he recommended me, and after two two times listening to me, they said, well, we'll take a chance on this guy. Oh. That was my first full-time. Full right. No grocery store. No grocery store. <laughs> uh, they offered me $35 <clears throat> a week. And I thought, I don't need to go to the store anymore. Okay. <laughs> With $35 a week? $35 a week. You tell that grocery store, see ya. Who, who were some of your friends that you, that you hung out with outside of class? Outside of class. Or inside of class. Who'd you do life with? The only one that I know is still living. I'm, I've outlived <laughs> most of them. <laughs> Well done, you. <laughs> uh, Bill Robinson. We both worked at A and P grocery store. Okay. And uh, Bill's parents had had brought him to school, and but he didn't have a car. Oh. Back then, we talk about supply and demand. Today, well. You know, our scholarship, I awarded it for young preachers. Yeah. We don't need it. We don't have any. Yeah. But back then, there was 10 preachers for every open church. <laughs> and so you you had to have, your daddy had to be a preacher or you had to have some connection to get invited. Right, right. And uh, Bill Robinson lived at Durant, Oklahoma, and he said, 
if we could get to Durant, said P.E. Tapp, who was the director of missions, and said he had found a place for us to preach every week. Wow. And at that time, I had a brand new car. Didn't have money to buy gas, but I had, <laughs> had a new car. <laughs> and uh, I said, if he said if we could get to Oklahoma, we could have a place to preach every week. I said, I'm ready to go. The car didn't have a heater, didn't have a radio, <laughs> but it had four wheels. There you go. And a motor. And so that established a friendship. We would leave out on on Saturday night. The store closed about eight o'clock. We'd have to mop the floor after that. And then sometimes we'd go to Oklahoma. It was about a three to four hour drive. Yeah. Spend the night with his parents and preach in a lot of the small churches around. Would you split up and you'd go preach somewhere and he'd preach somewhere else or you'd go together? Mostly together. Uh, but sometimes one would go, we'd have yeah. two places and so one would go one place and one the other. Did you have, um, did you preach something fresh every time or did you uh, sort of um, reshape sermons that you had already delivered and get them kind of polished up? Mostly fresh. Yeah. But didn't have many in our repertoire. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what, um, if someone asked you to preach this weekend on Sunday, what would your go-to passage be? Matthew 6.33, my first church at Durant, Shiloh. Uh, my desk was some apple boxes that were wooden, <laughs> and I had an old typewriter that my dad had rescued out of the garbage. And I had typed Matthew 6.33 and posted it. So every time I sat down at that make-do desk, that was the scripture that challenged me. And so if you could boil that sermon down into one sentence, what would the sermon from Matthew 6.33 be? What you pursue and what your priorities are and where the Lord stands in your life. Yeah. And I recommended that to hundreds, especially in marital counseling in this triangle, husband and wife and the Lord at the apex. Mm -hmm. That's a surefire. Yeah, because as you grow closer to the Lord, you're growing closer to each other. Correct. Right? Correct. Yeah. You got it. You I, got the picture. I got the picture. You've been there and done that, huh? <laughs> I have. I have. It's hard to um yeah, it's it's a it's quite a challenge to to become one and live with, you know, you have to align your priorities mm -hmm. and try to keep some preferences that are, you know, you don't become the same person, but you become united. And so it's kind of challenging. The priorities are a challenge for most of us. And it's a continuing challenge. I mean, you don't say done and done. It's doing and doing. Yeah. 
Do you feel like priorities continue to be a challenge for you today? Oh, yes. In what way? Be sure it's not just routine. Yeah. That it's real, it's genuine. I had a student ask me, um, how, how do you hear the Lord? How would you have answered her if she had asked you that? Well, there's several answers. Uh, nature, the beauty around us can speak. But primarily, it's the Word of God, the Bible. My instruction to my kids at my memorial service, don't spend a lot of money on flowers. I'm not a flower person. Put my two Bibles. That I have one I use my daily devotion, one I use when I preach. Put those two Bibles on my casket. Yeah. That's what's important to me, the Bible. I have a special place for that Bible in my daily life. So what's the what's the secret to uh, 63 years of, 63 and a half years of marriage? Matthew 6, 33. Yeah. For both of us. And there must have been something you saw in her in the early years where you knew she was capable of committing to Matthew 6, 33 with you. She was faithful to the church. Her, her conversation, what was important. What was the most important thing to Miss Evelyn? Do you know? I never asked her point blank that question, but the Lord and her mate and her children. Yeah. Uh, one of my preacher buddies described her as an ideal pastor's wife. We had witnessed some of our preacher friends whose wife would either get too involved or not involved. It takes a lot of character to keep that smooth. If I say um, hope, peace, love, joy, which one sticks out to you as something you know deeply? Hope, peace, love, or joy? Love. Love. And love is not some feeling. John 3.16 was a scripture that helped me to become a Christian, that God so loved the world that he gave. He made a commitment. And so it, love is important. God chose us that in his son. And to make a marriage work, you have to have love. That translates into commitment, not you do this and I'll do that, but yeah. whatever, I'm, I'm committed. Yeah, that's good. It's a good word. Well, if you had five minutes with the uh, students here today, what would you make sure you told them? I'd preach my sermon from, from Matthew 6.33. It works. Yeah. Try it. It works. Put the Lord first, and he'll take care of things. My first church in in Missouri, my annual salary was 2500 Wow. How Evelyn fed us, I have no idea. 
But you, you look at my kids, and none of us are underweight. <laughs> <laughs> she made it work. She made it work. Yeah. Yeah. What's the What's a time when you can remember God um, absolutely meeting a need and there was no other explanation except that it was God? Well, my call to preach, Jimmy Allen was holding a revival in the home of one of the deacons, Strickland's. I said, God's calling me to be a preacher. I didn't have the foggiest idea what it was going to entail, <laughs> but I, I knew that's the direction I needed to go. And the pieces of the puzzle continued to fall in place one after the other. And I can't, it's not just happenstance. Right. Evelyn, I led singing a lot of revivals, and she always wanted me to sing the one. In shady green pastures, so rich and so sweet, God leads his dear children along, some through the water, some through the flood, some through the fire, but all through the blood. God's leadership, I can pinpoint how I got to Oklahoma. Yeah. Why, he brought Bill Robinson and I together. In fact, he's he's still living, poor health, but he's... Yeah. Still, still living, living in the house that his parents had. I contact him occasionally. The young man that surrendered to preach in my ministry in, in Silo, Oklahoma, he was supposed to do my funeral. Oh. And I did his. Well, bless. Yeah. We never know, but God puts you in, in a place where... Why are you here and not somewhere else? Yeah. Why not Washington? Because <laughs> <laughs> my dad thought this would be a great idea. <laughs> and 30 years later, I'm doing the great idea. <laughs> See? His example stuck. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well, is there anything that you want to talk about that we haven't talked about? I could spin yarns all day. <laughs> What's uh what what makes you um you know I see you on campus at lunches and um I see you several times a year what is it that keeps you coming back to ETBU? I think Christian education is important. It's the reason I wanted uh, when Jack Craig was president was my first time to make a contribution to the university. Yeah, I thought I was really doing something. When I gave a hundred dollars, hundred dollars won't buy you dinner. <laughs> now, back then, yeah, that was a big sum of money. Did you put it towards an endowed scholarship? Because in some ways, that money is still there. No, I don't know what it would. Okay, but yes, we have an endowed scholarship, but it's for upper grads. For uh, Christian ministry majors. Yes. Yeah. I, I, when I was the secretary in that department, we gave that scholarship every spring. It was wonderful to give yeah, that. I, I get I get a printout of who, who and what. Yeah. And it's, uh, it's endowed. It's, it, they don't give what I give. They get the interest, interest on that. 
So your gift stays there and continues to give generations and generations. And and my kids at Christmas, I, I tell my kids, I don't need another shirt. <laughs> I don't need another sweater. <laughs> I've got drawers full. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It adds to your legacy, you know? Yes. You're yes. affecting, um, you're influencing ministers. So w- when did that start? Do you remember when you started that scholarship? Because there's... It, when Evelyn passed away. Okay. Do you remember what year that was? 2014. 2014. Okay. So... May the, she passed away May the 1st, 2014. Hmm. I know you miss her. Oh, terribly. Yeah. So it's been eight years, eight and a half. Mm-hmm. So I know some of those ministry students who've come through and been uh, have benefited from the interest off those gifts. And, um, and I know a lot of times we don't get to keep up with them. We don't get to follow them and see that they're doing great. We just kind of have to and, trust that they are. And my... Investment, Morgan Stanley. I used my RMD. I split it between the church and university. Uh huh. It's small, and then some of the kids, like I said, they know I don't want anything. <laughs> <laughs> don't need another shirt. Don't don't yeah. need. Another sweater. Yeah. But I I love it that you might not be in a pulpit every Sunday, but you are influencing those who are and will. And 50 years from now, those students may still be in pulpits. Well, I tell people there's not much demand for a 90-year-old preacher. (laughs) Just a perception. Yeah. He's... Over the hill, he's, he's, and I tell him, oh, I know I'm not as sharp as I used to be. Yeah. <laughs> My largest church, some of the people were amazed at how quick I learned the names. But what that, was your, that, that wouldn't happen now. Well, and I'm terrible at names. What was your, uh, what was your uh, secret to knowing everybody's name? Association. Okay. So how do you remember my name? And I'm always carrying something. <laughs> <laughs> no, Walker. Okay, I'm walking, carrying something. No, your your maiden name, yeah. Walker. Yeah. Okay. And as you saw, my grandmother, Epi Irene Walker. Yeah. So we may be kin. We may have to look into that. <laughs> that would be fascinating. They lived around. The Waco area, China Springs. My grandfather and my great grandfather buried at China Springs. Okay. My great grandfather lived to be 122 years. No. Yeah. Somebody got the records wrong (laughs) on that. Really? That's what the tombstone says. 122. My goodness, you might have 30 more years, Morris Brock. I don't think so. What are you going to do for 30 years? Well, I'm going downhill. What's breaking? I don't want to make it. 
<laughs> you don't have a, a radio or heat, but you got you still got your four wheels. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Um, well, I'm really grateful. I'm grateful that I get to see you, and I'm grateful that um, I think um, ETBU is is fortunate to have you as an alum, and um, and to have have you as a friend. You just keep being friends. Um, so we're the, we're the lucky ones. No, I'm the lucky ones. (laughs) You, um, now did any of your children come to ETBU? Uh, David and, and Becky. David and Becky. Did they finish here or did they transfer? Yeah. So they started here and then transferred somewhere else. Didn't finish. Oh, didn't finish. Okay. Uh, David went into business with his brother-in-law. Okay. Well, that'll work. And it's been several years ago, but David was asked to be on board here. Oh, yeah. So he was... Did he serve on the board? Oh, yes. Okay, great. See? The Brocks are friends. They're just... They're great friends. Find more alumni spotlights by visiting www.etbu.edu slash alumni. Stay up to date by following us on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, and Twitter. Thanks for listening, and may the light on the hill never die.